Hey everybody, and welcome back to Becky Talks Parks. This is a podcast for passionate parks and recreation professionals who are raising the bar in the field and in their community. Join us as we talk to experts in the field who are making a difference just like you. The field of parks and recreation is changing and the value is finally being recognized for what it is, an economic driver and a place for communities to grow and thrive. So if you're ready to hear from the best in the industry, stay tuned. We're going to get this podcast started right now. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Becky Talks Parks. I'm excited that you joined us today, and I hope that you all are doing well. I know it's such an interesting time right now, and um, so I hope this episode makes you smile and makes you just happy to work in the field of parks and recreation. Today, we're talking with Catherine Darkangelis, and she actually works at an adult daycare facility working in gerontology. So that's uh, working with elderly adults. And she has a passion for this. She's also the creator and founder of whattherec.com. And that provides resources for anybody working in that specific field. And actually, if you go on there, you'll probably find a lot of other helpful advice too beyond just geriatrics. So I really enjoyed talking with her and with Anthony today. So hope you guys can listen in, find some advice, and um, just enjoy the episode. Thanks so much and have an awesome day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Becky Talks Parks. We are here with Catherine and Anthony. How's it going, guys? It's good. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. We're excited to have you on the show. And um, Anthony actually introduced um, me to you and your website, which somehow I had not found out about before. So I was really excited (laughs) when I read about it and saw all the resources that you have on your website and kind of more about your professional experience. So I'm really excited to have you on. Oh, yay. Thank you. Yeah. So Anthony and I are um, both going to be interviewing today. I think he's going to start with the first question just to kind of get to know you a little bit. Um, and and then we're just going to flow the conversation from there. All right. Sounds great. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us today. So Catherine, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in the park and recreation field? Yeah. Um, so I live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but I got involved with Parks and Rec um, when I was looking into graduate school programs, which was a few years ago. And I found a program through SUNY Cortland, which is a state school in New York. They're known for being like a sports type of school and come to find out they have an entire like parks, recreation, leisure department. And it's broken up in between like parks and recreation and therapeutic recreation. Um, And basically, I ended up taking the credits needed for their therapeutic rec certification course. Oh, very cool. Um, So was there anything that interested you in that when you were younger that you kind of took a look at when you got to school or something? Did you seek that out specifically? So I really didn't know anything about therapeutic recreation until I was kind of Googling, you know, what can I do? Because my background is in human development uh, in like family studies. And I was really just trying to figure out how to best like serve populations. I knew I wanted to work in geriatrics, but I wasn't sure like the the pathway to do that effectively. Um, So kind of just, you know, Googling and all sorts of things about what different programs were near me at the time um, really kind of just jump-started the whole 
recreation aspect of, you know, of my life, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So how did that uh, kind of, because obviously your website's more about resources and kind of as you were on that journey towards your current role, were you hoping for uh, kind of a resource that you ended up creating? Yeah. Um, so the whole reason, like I kind of created the site was basically because I saw so many people on the different like recreation um, Facebook platforms and like activity professional Facebook platforms saying like, hey, how do I get certified in this or how do how can I do this or that? Um, and I said, oh, I could I could write a blog about that. Um, so really, it was just kind of one blog article that spiraled into, oh, cool, like I could probably write more articles about more things in the field um, and just you know, it's kind of grown from there. Yeah, that's awesome. So what do you currently do in your professional job right now? Yeah, so I'm a director of recreation and volunteer services at an adult day health organization. Uh, my center is dedicated to serving the aging population, but my company actually has duly licensed centers. So a lot of them serve aging as well as developmental disabilities. Thanks. So, yeah. so what inspired you then to want to enter into the specific area of the industry? I know a lot of people have a story about aquatics or they have outdoor recreation, but what made you think, okay, if I'm going to be a park and rec professional, this is where I want my focus to be. Um, well, it all stems cause I really love geriatrics. Um, it's a population I've always felt really strongly about. Um, probably it stems from childhood growing up close to my grandparents and, you know, being an only child. So I was around a lot of older adults for most of my life. Um, and in college, I participated in what was called Adopt a Grandparent, which was a community service organization that um, we visited local nursing homes where I went to undergrad and we do recreation-based programming with them one to two times a week. So that kind of like spiraled into my love of doing recreation with older adults. Um, and in my undergrad career, I took a lot of classes that pertained to older adults, like introduction to, ger uh, to gerontology and um, like psychology of aging and all those kinds of uh, courses that are dedicated to the population that I wanted to work with. That's so interesting. I feel like um, that's kind of a very specific niche within recreation and one that unless you're really in it, you may not know that much about it. Right. Um, and because a lot of recreation, you think about youth and, <laughs> you know, being really active. And I'm kind of curious, like, what are some of the biggest changes or maybe misconceptions that people think about this specific part of recreation? Yeah, so I think a lot of times people think like, oh, you work in recreation with older adults. Like, what do you do? Play bingo all day? <laughs> and it's like, okay, yes, we do play bingo, but we do do a lot of other things too. Um, like, you know, people always say, oh, you can't teach a old dog new tricks, but really you can. Um, all of all of my older adults, we play like we bowling at least once a week. They never even knew what a we was. Like. <laughs> um, you know, they love having like museums and the zoo come in and we do a lot of like animal assisted therapies. Um, it really is just 
thinking about recreation in terms of these people weren't born old, like they, they just grew up. So everything that they liked when they were younger, they probably still like, but you just need to adapt it for what they're able to do now. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, we're all going to grow up. We just don't, we just don't like to think about it. Right. And um, I know that some of the, there's a lot of research around how like baby boomers are so much more active than previous generations. And so Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's something that you're trying to figure out is like how active do we program this and how do you balance, um, you know, the exercise versus more of those sedentary activities? Yeah, exactly. Um, Like one of the, I think like one of the biggest issues in like elder care moving forward is tailoring programming to baby boomers. Um, Because in adult day facilities, in long-term care, the way that, you know, recreation and the whole setup has not been tailored to a new generation that is now increasingly getting older. And I think a lot of the demographics are going to start changing. Uh, They'll have to be a lot more understanding of different types of programs. You know, the baseline for long-term care music isn't going to be, you know, oh, just pop in a Frank Sinatra CD and everybody's (laughs) going to be fine. Um, And I definitely think um, having more active games and more active recreational pursuits are going to be so important, um, you know, moving forward in the next few years, especially as, again, the boomer population goes into retirement and older age. Yeah. So I can think, so personally, when I, when I worked for the village of Brown Deer, I ran a senior center. We had about uh, maybe 40 members and the senior club had been around for quite some time. And it was, it was a lot of fun, I thought, because I felt like they're all really young at heart. And so it kind of talks to what you talked about, where recreation kind of stays the same. And yet, you know, people just people get older, but they still have similar likes and interests. But the interesting thing about it was that I hadn't really had any experience leading up to that point um, with seniors. And I know some other young professionals as well, too, who in their first job, they might have come out of college. A lot of us, you know, it's easy to get experience with athletics or youth sports or outdoor rec or aquatics, but we do find ourselves as young professionals being thrust into working with senior citizens. And so it sounds like for you, you had the background, the education, you took some actual classes that were around it. Um, But I'm curious what advice you might have for anybody out there who one is looking to get into this field specifically, similar to yourself, how you know, you, you sought it out and, you know, advice you would give your younger self, but maybe just anything you'd like to let other young professionals or professionals know who find themselves working with the senior population when maybe it wasn't something they were expecting to be doing in yeah. their first position early on. Yeah. And I definitely think that um, recreation in the senior population is going to grow rapidly again, as you know, our, our aging population increases. Um, So I think a lot of kids that are coming out of school, you know, they might be 
really looking forward to working in pediatrics or um, youth, but you know, their first job out of school might be working for a senior center or something along those lines. Um, so I think just kind of keeping an open mind of the type of population that you are potentially going to be working with, especially right out of school, um, is important. And um, I also think that like kind of reiterating to you know, teenagers and people that are just getting out of college and, you know, maybe even wanting to work in geriatrics or unsure if they want to work in geriatrics is just knowing that like geriatric people are not scary. I have so many students, um, like interns or volunteers that are nervous with working with older adults. Like there's some villain in a movie like that's going to like steal their candy or something um, or that they'll yell at them. And that really isn't true. Um, pretty much every, every senior that I've ever worked with, they're thankful, they're grateful, and they're funnier than any population I've ever worked with. Um, and I also think people should be prepared um, for the other side of it as well. So I know a lot of people who thought that they wanted to work in geriatrics and then couldn't handle it. Um, because a lot of the times in school, we don't learn about um, like grief and loss and um, that side of healthcare. And working especially in long-term care settings, that's a big part of your job. And it's something that we don't really teach or talk about much in school. So I think that seeking out resources that help you understand um, like death and loss and healthcare is something that recreation professionals that work in these types of settings and work with the geriatric population kind of need to seek out on their own. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, um, as young professionals, a lot of times you're not exposed to that until a little bit later in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say, like, what are some good ways for people to get that experience besides, you know, just like researching about it on their own? Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of, well, at least where I went to school, um, because I went for human development, um, there were classes dedicated to that. Um, so, you know, death and dying was a class that you, you got to take and you would, you know, talk about, you know, different cultures and their different experiences um, with death and dying as a process. Um, I think being able to talk with other people in the field, especially those in like palliative care, um, is very helpful. Uh, And just being able to, before you get into a certain job or a certain position, maybe you know, talking to, to people in, in the field. So, you know, before you decide you want to be a recreation assistant at a long-term care facility, maybe you talk to somebody in that field before you even interview, because it might be something that you think is, you know, fun, but it might not be something that you yourself at the time can handle mentally and emotionally. Um, I know a lot of people who have worked in in recreation settings that, you know, were like, I didn't realize that I would have to deal with this, you know, on a monthly, really, basis. Um, so just being able to you know, get those resources. There's tons of classes online as well. Uh, I'm currently in the process of getting uh, my end of life doula certification, which is basically um, helping people through end of life stages and helping families through end of life stages, um, which 
we don't really talk about in like recreational aspects, um, but in long-term care, recreation professionals are kind of on the front lines of that because we're still providing leisure resources and, um, you know, family support through, through that kind of death and dying process. Um, and I think a lot of the times we don't, again, we don't really talk about that like when we're in school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not really like a fun, casual conversation that comes up. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but that's so interesting. I guess like one thing that you is, I just want to kind of, maybe I should have asked this at the beginning, but mm-hmm. why are you interested in this? Like, did you have a, a life-changing experience yourself that got you into it? Or like, what is that passion stemming from? I honestly, I don't really know. <laughs> um, I know, like, as I said, like, I'm an only child. My, my grandparents lived in a motor home in our backyard. Um, and I would literally go over to my grandparents, quote unquote, house every day after school. Um, so I was just always around like the elderly, even though I guess they probably weren't even that old uh, when I was young. Um, and I think I was just always around older adults. When we moved, the person that lived next door to us was another elderly couple. And I would just walk over there when I was like seven, eight years old, just chit-chatting with them all day long. Like my parents were like, why, why are you doing this? <laughs> Um, so I don't, I don't really know. I think I've always, I always, um, kind of say that like people gravitate towards populations that they just have like a kindred like spirit with. So it's like some people just love kids. They love working with kids. That's the complete opposite of me. I worked at a YMCA for one year and I was like, nope, I can't, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. it's too much. <laughs> so I think it's just making sure that you know, like the kind of person you are and the population that you, you, you feel strongly about, I guess, is, is just what did it for me. Um, I'm not entirely sure why I have like a strong connection with them, really. Um, I just think, you know, as a population they're kind of the one that's overlooked the most um and I think that like to me like that's really sad because it's like you live your whole life and then like no you know nobody wants to hang out with you (laughs) so it's like I'll be that person I'll hang out with them that's awesome yeah. Like I recently had, um, I'll just say this and I'll, I'll get off my soapbox, but, um, <laughs> like this past summer, both of my grandparents, you know, went from being so active and like playing golf and seems like exercising almost daily to needing care every day because, you know, one of them fell and broke their hip and the other one, um, then responded with, you know, their significant other just going completely downhill. And like that so messes with your emotional health and your physical health. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it seems like when, as you get older, even though you've spent your entire life, like working and dedicating yourself to your family, then you rely on them so much to help you. And it's like such a, um, 
an interesting process that we go through from birth and needing people to help you to older in life. And then you, you have that same dependency and right. Yeah. That's really come full circle for me this year. Yeah. All right, Anthony, what you got? (laughs) No, that's, it's been so interesting just sitting back and listening to all this seriously. (laughs) Um, so Catherine, we do have another question for you. So who is somebody who inspires you in this industry that, you know, you look up to and see them as a mentor, or maybe they're just somebody else who has done a lot in this area and you really look to what they're doing and inspires you to keep going and doing more yourself? Yeah. Um, so I think that I had some amazing teachers, right? So throughout all my years of school, so I have to really give a shout out to my gerontology professor. Her name is Laura Brown at SUNY Oswego. Um, she really hit home my love of the elderly um, and how much we can and should be doing for them. Um, she was the first course that I ever took uh, about about older adults. Um, and after I took that course, I was like, oh, this is it. Like something in my brain just like clicked. Um, and I definitely think again, all of my teachers at SUNY Cortland, who pretty much all of them are like the four, like the, like the front runners of, of therapeutic recreation. Um, and her, her name is Lynn Anderson. She's like a wealth of knowledge in the, in the TR world. And just being able to like know that like the people that like wrote my textbooks are like also the people that are teaching the courses, um, is, is like super empowering to know, um, you know, that the people that are on the forefront of this whole field are the people that are also, you know, teaching, teaching the the classes that I'm taking. Um, but I think, also in general a lot of people that inspire me are really just the people that i've connected with through um, my website i since creating this website i have made so many connections and so many friends um through like instagram and facebook and have seen so many other now like um blogs and resources and you know recreation therapy, uh, Instagrams, and just being able to connect with all of those people and kind of motivate each other to make our field better, even if it's, you know, we're all different populations, or we might be working in different aspects, just being able to know, like, all of those people are there rooting you on, and like, you're rooting them, them on also is like, just very inspiring to me. It really, it really is. I mean, that was one of the most exciting things about, you know, coming across your website as well, too, is just seeing another, another voice out there. And it kind of goes back to what you talked about, how, you know, multiple voices just make the industry that much stronger because you find your support network. And then you also find different perspectives and ways to learn and connect and really, and really move the needle. So that's fantastic. Yeah, I completely agree. So we, we do have a question for you, too. Um, you know, you, you work with a specific population and our, our question right now kind of revolves around the current times. And so people are kind of finding themselves at home more. Um, you really, you know, in my area in Wisconsin, you can really only leave the house basically to basically to go for a walk in the park or exercise. And then if you want to go to the grocery store and that's just, you know, they recommend once a week. So working from home, spending more time at home, a lot of people, their entire, you know, they've had a shock to the system. Um, 
So what are some things that you're doing to keep leisure in your life during this whole, you know, COVID-19 outbreak? And then maybe what are some things that you've utilized in your industry specifically that you see are transferable that other people could utilize when keeping leisure in their life, knowing that they're limited to really just being at home or being briefly outside in their neighborhood? Yeah. Um, So honestly, I'm just taking it day by day. I try to think of it as like all this aspects of the wellness tree. So like physical, social, emotional, am I meeting those needs? And if I'm not like, what can I do about it? Um, And I try to touch on at least one of those things like a day. So I've been reading a lot. Um, That's my favorite leisure pursuit. But then I, you know, the next day I'm like, okay, I can't read all day. I have to, you know, do something physical. Um, So I've been trying to do yoga videos every morning to kind of help ground me um, and just kind of making sure, again, like I'm touching on all the different aspects of leisure, um, especially like social Um, I'm a big social person. So being home all day, every day is like driving me up a wall. Um, So making sure that I'm still, you know, connecting with friends and connecting um, with colleagues and people in the industry like you guys is phenomenal for my mental health. Um, And I think as it pertains to like the senior population that might have been getting out of the house, especially, um, you know, for those that were going to senior centers or adult day health centers, and now they are in their homes all day. um, I think it's always good to encourage, you know, as like a caregiver to encourage to, you know, get their bodies moving. So like when they were at our senior center, um, or adult day health center, excuse me, um, you know, we would have them do exercises at least twice a day. Even if, you know, they can't get out of their chair or their wheelchair, we're doing some kind of chair stretches or chair yoga um, and just being able to do those simple mind-body exercises um, to make sure that, you know, we're not making or exacerbating whatever our underlying medical conditions are. I think it's important to, you know, keep connected with with their loved ones. I know a lot of seniors do live with their families, so I think that it it might be a great time to, you know, reconnect and, you know, do those family dinners and have that family time that, you know, they might not have been getting otherwise. Um, and you know, a lot of seniors do live in multiple family homes, so being able to, you know, connect with younger children that might have been in school uh, while, you know, they were at their senior center. Now it's a great time to, you know, play checkers with grandpa. Um, So I think, um, you know, just being able to connect in those, you know, those small ways are really important. Um, And I know like so many recreation professionals um, that are working in long-term care facilities, they are on, you know, on the front lines of keeping their loved ones uh, connected with, with the people in those facilities um, and being able to utilize phone calls and Skype sessions and all those kinds of things are so important, um, especially if you can't be with, with the seniors in your life right now. Right. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Anthony. Oh, I was just going to say that's one of the toughest things for me currently. So just every year my family gets together for Easter and it's, it's my dad's most important holiday to him, uh, much like Christmas is for my mom. 
And so, you know, I'd talked to my parents a little bit about, you know, how we want to handle it. Is Easter getting pushed back or what are we doing? Because they're in their 70s. And so I don't want to bring something from Milwaukee to Michigan that might potentially harm them. Right. And I had even, you know, reached out to them and said, hey, well, maybe I can come home sooner and see you before that, before things really get kind of hectic. And they even said then they're like, no, no, like, we'll wait, we'll wait. But it is, it's challenging right now. I think, you know, not just kind of the homebound piece, but just the being away from the family piece. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, I've been utilizing video chat as well. And uh, my mom got me one of those Alexas that you can have the screen on it for Christmas. So I've been like calling her that way. And I think, you know, the kind of the relationship piece is really important. And what I'm hearing you say as well, too, is, you know, just being active, keeping routine, keeping your mind busy. Mm -hmm. Um, But most importantly, even if you can't physically be with somebody to just try to be with them any way possible. And yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Because it is it is getting hard these days to kind of keep moving forward. So yeah, I completely agree. I, my, my parents are older as well. Um, my mom's almost 70 and she just had back surgery. So I'm not going home anytime soon. And I'm like, this is, this is nuts because I've been home for so long. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could just, it's so weird. Cause you wish you could just drive home, <laughs> but you're like, nope, like I can't do yeah. that. Cause I don't want to get my parents sick. So it's definitely a kind of a, uh, like what it's called a shadow loss, which is like, you're not actually, you haven't lost anything really, but the, that loss of either comfort or routine or security of possibly going home to visit your parents or whatever it may be, you've lost it for a certain amount of time. Um, and just being like, you know, mindful and aware, uh, that those feelings that you, you have about surrounding like that kind of shadow loss, um, are valid. You know, all, all those feelings that you have are valid. And, um, you know, the moments of ease, the moments of, you know, straight panic, the moments of just being like numb and being like, what is even going on? Um, all of those are valid and deserve to be addressed and acknowledged. Um, you know, being mindful of how you're feeling and accepting those feelings is a way to, you know, get better clarity with yourself and your own mental health. And I think, um, just being able to sit and acknowledge like what you're, you're feeling in this time is super important. Cause I think a lot of the times people tend to say like, Oh, well, I'm just overreacting. Well, you're not really overreacting because it's what your own self is feeling. So if you, if you actually sit and like, think about those feelings, then you can actually work through them instead of just like pushing them away kind of thing. Yeah, I think now more than ever, we have to be really intentional to understand what we're feeling. And, you know, me and Anthony were talking on the last episode about how, uh, and this was two weeks ago, so it feels like a lifetime ago in terms of everything that's progressed. But, um, you know, we didn't want to overreact and yet at the same time not underreact. Right. And, there are so many different things happening right now that I think it's just critical that we, that we do take that time, sit down and acknowledge what we're feeling and acknowledge that this is in our lifetime. Um, nothing like this has ever happened before. So of course you're going to have a whole range of emotions that come up. And what's 
more difficult is that you may not have those, those normal, regular people in your life that you can express those to. Right. And so, um, just, you know, grabbing onto whatever technology you can is so important. And that's why like people like you, who may be working in those communities who you, you know, they, if you're still open right now, I'm not sure, but you know, you may be the only people that they come in contact with that can help them express those emotions or help them connect to the people they can do that with. Right. Exactly. So I wanted to kind of ask you um, if there's any other projects that you're working on or things that, you know, people out there listening to this podcast might be interested in. Um, you know, this is also a good time to tell us a little bit more about your website and some different like fun things that you have on there. Yeah. Um, well, honestly, my what the wreck is the big underlying project, but I'm starting to expand it and get the brand connected with like other outlets in the industry. Um, I'm currently in the process of creating some continuing education courses that a lot of different, um, people, not just therapeutic recreation, but you know, people in parks and rec, people in social work, all those kinds of things you need CEUs to keep your certifications. Um, so I'm finishing up one right now. That's all about volunteer management and how to create a volunteer program from the ground up. Um, that's one of my favorite topics besides geriatrics is volunteers and how to create outlets for people to volunteer. Um, and I have a few other CEU courses, you know, kind of brewing, um, and they'll be available on a few different platforms. Um, but other than that, uh, I'm trying to think right now what the wreck is. I'm hoping that I'm hope well, I'm hoping that it can be a resource for for everyone in the healthcare kind of industry. Um, and that's what my my blogs are kind of tailored to um, is you know, healthcare and volunteering and you know, older adults. But what I am hoping to do in the future is create what the rec into a um, an LLC so I can provide um, consulting services to different organizations on how to better their geriatric programming, um, no matter what, you know, facility it is, whether it's an adult day facility, whether it's long-term care, whether it's a parks department. Um, I'm hoping to be able to, you know, create kind some, some kind of outlets to, you know, how to create programs that are tailored specifically to our seniors and how to better create those programs and those wellness outlets for them specifically. Um, and then other than that, you know, I'm kind of just hoping to connect with other people in the industry. Like you guys, I love that, um, you know, people in Parks and Rec are interested in what I'm doing. Um, Cause I know a lot of the time Parks and Rec and Therapeutic Rec are kind of in two different spheres. Mm -hmm. um, so just being able to, again, connect with people in, in different facets of, you know, the healthcare world is, is something that I'm really passionate about. And I'm, I'm glad that, you know, it's happening. <laughs> Oh, I'm super excited. And I think, um, you know, everything that you have going on right now and how you see this transitioning and growing is really exciting. And especially for 
um, something like something that you are so passionate about and that you have so much experience with, I think it's so necessary to provide those training for people who just, they just don't have exposure to it and they need people like you to educate them and to help them, um, further, you know, understand their older population. So that's really exciting. Thank you. I'm excited about it as well. <laughs> yeah. So what else we got? So we just wanted to, um, also ask you if there's anything else that you'd like our listeners to know that maybe we didn't cover today or um, just some final thoughts, whether it be for the current situation or for, you know, therapeutic, recreation in general, or geriatrics. Um, just kind of let you have uh, the floor if there's anything else our listeners should know. Okay. Um, well, I mean, honestly, in these crazy times, you know, just be kind to each other. Make sure to call your parents, call your grandparents, Skype your friends. Um, you know, know that you're not alone, even though it might feel like it, um, practice your leisure interests and remember, um, that your worth is not based on your productivity. I know that that is something a lot of people are struggling with, especially myself. I was, you know, trying to fill, fill my days with all sorts of productivity. The first few days that I, you know, didn't have work because I was trying to figure out, okay, how can I, you know, make this day useful, but that's something that we kind of get ingrained into us um, that isn't really true. Um, so just making sure that you're taking care of yourself in any way that you see fit um, and that making sure, you know, your days aren't based on, you know, how quote unquote productive you are for that day. Um, making sure that you're taking care of your mental and your physical health first is always and should always be a priority, but especially in these like crazy, crazy days that we've been having. Um, and I just want to thank you guys so much for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, and if anybody is interested in learning more um, about geriatrics or has any questions about, you know, my website or any, any kind of therapeutic recreation that pertains to older adults, um, they're, you know, there, feel free to message me either on Instagram, Facebook, um, any platform that what the rec is on, and I will get back to you as soon as I can. <laughs>